And welcome to the Outfitting the Saints podcast, a place for gearheads, adventure seekers, long-term and short-term missionaries, world wanderers, activists, daydreamers, travel nerds, and more. Hosting alongside me is Jamaica Dawes, owner and founder of Slim Pickens Outfitters in Stephenville, Texas. In today's episode, we sit down and ask the question that's on everybody's mind. What do I take to the Himalayas? Our guest today is Josh Brawlthrope, a long-term missionary with East West Ministries. Josh is a dear friend, one of the funniest guys I know, and also my brother-in-law. If you guys would love to learn more about East West or connect with Josh and his family, you'll find links and contact information in the description of this episode. So without further rambling, thank you guys for joining us in fellowship and Enjoy the conversation. Well, here we are, first first official episode with a missionary, good friend, brother in Christ, and brother-in-law. And brother-in-law, yeah. And brother-in-law, father of five of my favorite people in yes. the world, and married to second oldest sister. And you, you came about when? When I was in high school? Yeah, man. So my first... My first time to meet all of you at the same time was like a a like a playoff football game that you and Steven were both in and it was in San Antonio because it was a playoff game and you know y'all basically went to high school in Mexico so <laughs> the the playoff games had to happen in like a real stadium yep. and you had to drive whatever it is like 6 hours to get to San Antonio right Yeah Good so, four, good, good, solid four hours. Yeah, that was a that was a fun way to be introduced to your sister, her husband, and your mom and dad and grandparents, grandparents yeah. three different grandparents, and then to watch you guys on the field. Yeah, and then be given really wonderful sweaty hugs <laughs> by my someday soon to be brothers in law. And little did we know yeah. that that was well, you probably did. It's been quite a ride. It's been quite a ride. Yeah. So, so Josh, you've been, I think, a part of ministry and working in ministry the entire time that I've met you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I worked at I worked at Pine Cove for every summer of of my college days, um, and then for a year full time. So, yeah, we were. I was, and I also worked every weekend I could, even during college. I mean, I was all in doing, and and it it was because Pine Cove was a place for a silly guy like me to be able to. To have that silliness used for ministry, yeah. which was fun for me, but also, I mean, I just loved family ministry, and I was working at family camp. I mean, you worked at the Bluffs later too, yep. didn't you? Yep. Yeah. So we were we've done a lot of different things. Working at camp that first year we were married, we had Chloe, my our last summer at Pine Cove, and then moved to Dallas to be at DTS Dallas Seminary full full time for a year, and at the end of that school year. Praise the Lord! I got a call from a pastor to come be a be their children's pastor. Well, anyway, so I I was I was on staff at that church there for four years doing children and family ministry, and then it was at that point we left we left that church May of 2015. I was hired at East West, raised support for about eight months. That's a whole other conversation, support raising. 
Y'all should have an episode about support raising. I think we should. I'll come back and encourage everyone not to be scared of support raising. Yeah. Uh, because for five years now, my I've supported a family of seven. Yep. Uh, just completely and totally on support. And so it is possible for all of you out there thinking, oh my gosh, I got to raise uh, so much money to go on this trip. It's okay. It's possible. Yeah. yeah and, and, and as a as a single in ministry, like... I I can't fathom trying to support and raise support for a family of seven. And that's that. Yeah. So, so you have definitely been a huge encouragement and point of inspiration to say, yes, you can, you can do it well and and invite people well into that. That's Uh, right. So we did that for eight months and then started working at East West ministries full time. And over the years, my, my role there has definitely evolved, but it's always, it's always been about the thing that I'm most passionate about, which is mobilizing churches, helping churches get their people engaged in the Great Commission. So that's, that's the best way to sum up what I do. Do you want my title? Because it's pretty impressive. Yes. Okay, because I am the Director of Church Equipping. Actually sounds pretty plain now that, <laughs> now that I say it out loud. Anyway, yeah. well, I think it's well how fitting it is to have the equipper of churches to be on the, our first podcast of outfitting and equipping the saints. Well, yeah, and I should talk about this too because I mean, most of my work is here in the states. Yeah, going around to different churches, you know, talking with them, helping them develop more robust strategies for missions and for prayer. But one of my favorite things I get to do at East West. Is kind of a side hustle, right? It's not even part of my main job. And that's that's leading these, what we call extreme trips yeah. to the Himalayas. It was twice a year back when I first started. And now I do one a year and Allison, my wife, your sister, does one a year. So we kind of alternate fall, spring. Anyway, we did do one back to back. That's another story. So these extreme trips. Yep. So why do they title them extreme? Okay, so when you think of... A mission trip there's mostly what what people think of is a bunch of teenagers going to mexico and doing some vbs and maybe sharing the gospel in the street a couple times right yeah. that'd be a standard thought for mission trip east west trips are all focused on evangelism if we're sending a short-term team it's because those people are going to be sharing the gospel it's also all about supporting our national partners yeah. who are in the country so you know, East West has a lot of different missionaries scattered throughout the world doing church planting work. And a lot of them are in countries that are restricted access, right? The spiritually darkest places. Yeah. And so they don't need short-term trips coming up. They don't need a bunch of, you know, 20-somethings. Hey, can we help? No, you're, you're too big of a footprint. Get out of here. Yeah. But the places where we go, we're going to be sharing the gospel and trying to plant churches or, you know, let's, let's say scattering the seed so that that seed can be, those new growths can be gathered together into a church by our national partners who will then raise up, you know, new leaders and kind of keep the church planting movement happening. So the extreme part of our extreme mission trips is because we are backpacking up in the foothills of the Himalayas to share the gospel with these villages that you can really only reach on foot. Yeah. So we, we're putting on packs and through hiking for 
essentially for five days up through these mountain villages in the Himalayas. And it's incredible to see the way of life of some of these people. But I mean, you really can't get to them unless you're unless you're on foot and carrying everything you've got with you. So yeah, yeah that's why they're extreme. And, and and when he says foothills, these are these are these are mountains yeah. within the mountains, just smaller. That's right. So it, like... Compared to Everest, <laughs> which is the you know, which is and when you're in the Himalayas, it's like, well, it's not Everest. <laughs> you're right. Ten thousand feet is just a foothill compared yeah. to Everest. Twelves but... and fourteens. Yeah, yeah. Those are the foothills exactly. of the Himalayas. And and and, and being having the honor in uh, of of getting to join. Yes. On one of these extreme trips, I can honestly say uh, it is extreme. And but but man, I I really love really love the point that that you guys make in as east west and as you said, our goal is not to be the focus or make this mm. huge shining light on the you know, the short-term group that that's from the foreigners right and then it, the, that's the, right the goal is to support those long-term initiatives yeah that's, that's exactly right so so in in these trips right like you 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 went to undisclosed location undisclosed at location. the north of a hindu country mm-hmm. and you got to meet one of our one of our church our, our national director right yeah. so he leads a team and when you get there, you've got this team of translators and we do one-to-one, right? Yeah. I remember my first trip, they, they pulled me aside and they said, hey, uh, we're going to put you together with this guy. I, w- I won't use his real name. Yeah. We'll, we'll call him George. So they, they pull me aside and they go, hey, we're going we're gonna to hit, we're going to give you George and we're giving him to you because he's kind of new at this translation thing. And, and we think, you know, you're, you're pretty easygoing. We think you could handle kind of the little bit of a, tumultuous back and forth. I was like, yeah, I'm up for anything. I'll go for it. No problem. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, great. I'm, I'm, I'm with the rookie, you know, that's fine. I'll, I'll make the most of it. Like God is good. God is good. So we get through a few days of that. And, and my translator, he understood English really well. It was when he had to give it back to me, what they were saying in English, that he was a little bit halted, but we made it work and people were saying yes to Jesus. And it was awesome and beautiful. One day we're, we're hiking along. And I said, so, hey, brother, tell me your story. And I, I come to find out this guy is definitely not a rookie. Right? <laughs> he, is, he, is, he has helped oversee the planting of literally thousands of churches in his, in his part of, of this country. So he, he was maybe a rookie at translating Hindi to English, but very much I was, I was with a master church planter, evangelist, uh, a pastor, evangelist. And so that's that's who you're that's who we're working with over there is they don't they don't need us to take over and, and lead the church planting efforts, right? Well what we do get to do is we get these open doors when we go up there. A lot of times if they if you if you send two up to these villages, they they might be a little bit cautious, you know, they're outsiders of these villages and if they start talking about sharing Christ, it's gonna be a little we we're good. We don't want your Jesus here. You know, it's, it's a lot, a lot more closed. But when this team of Americans shows up, it's like, it's like the Chicago bulls are, have come to town. Uh, that's not a, that's a kind of a dated reference, isn't it? I, I've just been watching that Michael Jordan documentary yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. It's these celebrities have come to the village, right? right? So everyone's inviting us in, offering us tea. 
and and we're you know we get this opportunity to just share our story which of course is all about jesus and and so we get to scatter the seed much farther and wider but they're they're ready our our church planters and translators they're ready they get those people who say yes to jesus they get their information and then we move on from that village but all that information is collected and within a week or so they will get one of their think of it like a paul like a like an apostle who's over multiple church plants will come in gather those new believers into a church and plant a church in that village and you know teach them how to obey the commands of christ and raise them up and try to identify a leader who can then become the pastor of that house church in that village and once they've reached a certain percentage i think the 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 math is something like when there's more than three percent of a population a church a church planting movement can be sustained by itself and so to to go in and break that soil up right it can be really hard but we make that a little bit easier we're like this big tilling you know tiller we come in we get all that soil up we scatter the seed and then we don't have to go back to that village because it can sustain itself because of the work of the church planters so it's it's an amazing thing to be a part of yeah and like you said, it can be incredibly difficult. It too, can be incredibly cause... difficult, but uh, but yeah. what a joy! What a joy it is to to get to walk with those those just awesome men and women of God. And, and, and as you said, like get to experience walking with with the the Pauls and the the, the Peters of these different nations, and that are just on fire for the Lord. Absolutely. I mean, just my own personal experience with that trip it, it, it that that trip changed a lot in me and i i've gotten to share uh, many a time just several portions of that trip in, in a story form that 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 taught me uh, great lessons in, in faith so like you know whether it be one of one of my brothers from that nation taking me by the hand and just being <laughs> such an advocate of saying hurry brother people have not heard oh, the gospel man. and like running up the what mountain a beautiful picture and you're like yes. you're like how do i not find the energy right now? and so just like such great encouragement and, and motivation to to just run with him up the mountain right yeah. and then and seeing that 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 intensity and passion for his own people affected me mm-hmm. to come back home and say and evaluate like my desire and passion for my people yeah and, and to say man i want to I want to run up the mountain here in America. And that, that really uh, affected me greatly. I know. I mean, so many of us, like, it's so easy here in our culture, in this context to think of evangelism as something that takes place in, in Asia, right. Or Africa. And, and yet we don't know our neighbor's names, you know, and it's, it's been one thing that's been fun about this pandemic is like everyone has been at home and because they've got a little cabin stir crazy right they they go out on walks in their neighborhood and so Allison and I have been so refreshed being able to like go out on prayer walks and there's other people out and about and getting to meet our neighbors and get to know them and hopefully win the chance to tell them our story and God's story and invite them to say yes to Jesus right and well Jamaica Dawes has joined us Salutations and praises. It's a pleasure to meet you, brother. Joel's told me all about what you're doing and 
and the whole concept of outfitting the saints. I love it, man. Um, yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'll probably become a number one customer and promoter. These, these extreme trips that we've, that we've been talking about, you know, we have do- literally dozens of people every year because I'm not the only leader for these trips. Oh. Dozens of people every year going on their, on their, some of their very first, you know, trekking, hiking trip and they need gear. And it's, it's amazing that, you know, it's go to REI. REI is the best only place, right? But if we had an option to send people to get gear and it was, and it was someone who could actually encourage their mission and not just tell them what kind of boots to buy, that's like extra. Oh yeah. Right on. Oh, thank you for sure. In fact, well, to, to tell a, a quick story, we outfitted a guy to this year who went on a trip to uh, the base camp um, of Mount Everest. And Joel was my consultant on that of like, all right, he's going on this trip. Like, what does he need? What what might he think he need? And, and really, you know, w- with that list, okay, let's see what we can get him. And we're happy to say we outfitted him with about probably 90% of the stuff that he needed. So yeah, we'd love to do that for, for your, for your men and women as well. That's cool. Yeah, Josh. So one of the, one of the things that I, you know, in, in thinking about these extreme trips and just my own personal experience, um, you know, this, this was like the epitome of needing to prepare well. Yes. Um, it's a, it's a huge, huge part of the discussions that we have with our, our extreme team participants is listen, we've got, we've got this much time to make sure that everyone on this team is ready. And if you're not ready, we, we will tell you, you, you don't get to go because, um, it's a lot better to leave someone who's unprepared here than for us to get on the side of that mountain. And you realize I'm not prepared. I can't go on because the option is okay, well, then we have to call a helicopter, a very expensive helicopter to come and get you and take you back down the mountain. Yeah. So preparation is huge and key. Yeah. Yeah. So in the first episode, in this introduction that me and Jamaica got to do, I, I, I kind of uh, formulated this, this, this idea that um, what you take with you will either help or hinder you from engaging what you want. Right. Um, how have you seen that? actually come into play oh man that's a that's a great question what you have with you yeah being equipped right so first of all i know that everyone wants to talk about gear because it's so fun to talk about gear i mean there's so many different things that people have done but one of the most important things that we have to make sure people are equipped with is like the healthy expectations and a good understanding of the culture that they're going to South Asia, particularly, you know, in the Himalayas is a very spiritually dark culture. And it's, it's a lot like, you know, over here in the States, in the West, really the enemy, the enemy's whole scheme is to gaslight people, right? Like his whole thing is, let me, let me influence you. And then convince you that I haven't influenced you. Like that's his whole thing. So he is, he is in hiding, like corrupting, stealing, killing, destroying, and also convincing us that he doesn't exist. 
over there, it's a whole different ballgame. That spiritual power is, is real and acceptable and people people believe in it. And the, the main thing over there is, is that he's not, he's not hiding, um, convincing people he doesn't exist. He's hiding, convincing people that he is something else, that he is more powerful, that he's the most powerful thing. And so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of dark spiritual power at play and we have to first get people in the mindset of, listen, you may encounter some things that you're not ready for. And you also may need to be ready to be more, open with how you wield the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? Because yeah. you've got this power inside of you and you need to be ready to, to do more than just, you know, share your story, but pray for healing, pray for deliverance, you know, pray to protect yourself and your people from the enemy's power. And that's a big part of equipping them. Yeah. But helping people know, like sharing your story is not is not hard, it's not scary. And then uh, how to work with an interpreter. And in fact, a lot of times working with an interpreter can be a little bit easier because you you say a phrase and then while your interpreter's <laughs> interpreting that, you get the chance to think about, okay, what's the next part of my story? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the next, do I want to edit this thing that I say <laughs> next, you yeah. know? And, and then, so, so working with an interpreter can make it a little bit easier to share your story, but helping people understand what's a, what's a good, succinct way to tell your story, tell God's story, invite people to say yes to Jesus and do that again and again. Because it's, it's not that we don't want to have this fully engaged conversation. It's just, you know, there, there are 12 of us and we, we may have, you know, 60 homes that we want to visit and we've only got, you know, half of the morning to get through this this village right so we got to be we got to be engaging but we also want to be able to share multiple times right the more we share the more we can get through it and sometimes i will say this is a little side note but it's crazy what god can do we've we've gone on these trips and i'll i'll go around to the different team members and and ask them to report like hey how many times did you share how many people said yes and they're like, yeah, I shared the gospel 35 times today and, and about and about 27 said yes. And I'm like, how? <laughs> yeah. How did you? I, I shared the gospel with two people today. <laughs> First, if you can't already tell, I'm a little long-winded and I, 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 I get excited. And I, oh, I should say this next thing. But these people, you know, it's like God is doing a fishes and loaves thing where He's multiplying the opportunities that people get to share the gospel. I'm like, I don't understand how you had time to share 35 times today, but you did. And he's got the names of all the people who said yes. You know, it's right there. Anyway, so just getting people equipped and prepared to talk through the gospel on their own. But absolutely, to, to answer your question, right, if I'm if I'm not prepared spiritually and if I'm not prepared, like, to to eloquently or just, like, with my words to, to give a gospel presentation, um, but because these trips are extreme, it takes a lot of a lot of preparation physically and with regards to like the resources that we bring with us, the gear. Mm-hmm. So physical preparation is is a really important part. You got to bring a strong heart, like an endurance. Yeah. I mean, literally the organ, your heart has to be strong to yeah. pump blood through your muscles and oxygenate everything because you're at, you're at an atmosphere that's got low oxygen levels and every breath that you take, you, you go 10 yards and you're like, oh my God, breath again. <laughs> it's because, you know, you're at 10,000 feet and yeah. there's not as much oxygen to get to get your 
you're, it takes it takes more breaths to get that oxygen to your blood. So being able to like physically train people, you know, lift weights. But one of the best things you can do is put your pack on and try to get yourself to an elevated level of like respiration and stay there as long as you can. And if you can do 10 minutes of that, awesome. Try to get to 12 minutes, then 15, then 30, then an hour and see how long you can get you can stay at this elevated heart rate to build your endurance because it takes a lot of endurance to just keep taking steps. I mean, wow. my very first trip, the trip leader was like, go to the gym, get your pack and your boots on, go to the gym, forget how people look at you <laughs> and get on that Stairmaster and see how long you can stay on that Stairmaster without getting off. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is miserable. Why? This I can't this can't possibly be what it's like. No, that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> be able to, to stop and and eat, you know, like a like a cliff bar or a, a get get a glass of water, but the the more you're able to maintain like a steady ongoing pace, like the, the more you're able to get to the next village and get to that person who hasn't heard the gospel yet. Yeah, I, I will say our 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 more physically capable hikers always get higher numbers because they can literally get to more houses in a village. Mm. So that's why I always have two shares in a day. And the, the Joel <laughs> Whites of this world will, will get like a, a dozen while I get two. It's because they have they have the legs and the and the endurance to physically like climb higher or go you know, go down, go up into these extra like two or three houses that are a little bit more remote and share there and share down there while I'm taking the straightest path possible because I'm I'm weak anyway. So the physical preparation is huge, but making sure you have the right gear. Uh, so I'm going to say this. I think that, well, you know what? Let me, let me pause because I, I, I can just talk for the next 20 minutes about having the right gear. I want to give you a chance to clarify questions. Um, <laughs> I, I was, I was going to talk about the two of the most important things to me, which is sleep and like proper calorie intake. And there's a lot of different gear around making sure those are at like the, the right levels, right? So for one thing, on our extreme trips, what we tell people is all your breakfasts and all your dinners are provided. And for the, and for the most part, your lunches are provided too. What what we also have to tell them is, by the way, all three of those meals are going to be exactly the same yeah. and it's all going to be rice and dal. All right. <laughs> rice and dal is the, is the equivalent of rice and beans, right? It's okay. dal is this lentil gravy kind of thing. And you know, the two of them make a whole protein and it's like biscuits and gravy over there. Um, what I always tell my, my, my team members on these extreme teams that I lead is there is there is nothing like a good night's sleep. So I was talking about how you, you got to make sure that you intake enough calories. And my my curse is that I just don't like rice and dal, right? <laughs> they serve rice and dal three meals a day. And because because the the local guys they love it i mean yeah. it's bread you know it's like the bread culture and rice culture and their rice culture and so i i just have to supplement my calories and i don't usually do a very good job like i yeah. 
I, and so I end up, I end up under nourishing myself, expending way more calories than I actually take in. But even with that, the way I've been able to get through my trips is because I've been able to get a good night's sleep every single night. We build it into the schedule. We guarantee, you know, you, after a long day of hiking, if you want to pitch your tent and then just immediately go to sleep, like I've, I've had to do that a couple times before because you're just toast, right? Someone will wake you up to let you know that dinner is ready and you can come and, and eat, eat a few bites of dinner and then go right back to sleep. But you can get a solid, you know, eight, nine, ten hours of sleep even because you go to sleep when the sun goes down, you wake up when the sun comes up, and it really is a, a nice long, uh, you have enough time to get that sleep. And so if your gear is comfortable enough to let you sleep that whole time, that can that can refresh you and and energize you so much even if you're not taking in enough calories. And so I've always said that having a really good sleeping pad and uh, a comfy sleeping bag, a good pillow, and whatever else that little extra thing is that, that helps you sleep well, like if it's, you know, having some nice peaceful music to help you kind of calm down and, and get, get rested. But So I would say, to answer your original question, <laughs> in, in my humble opinion, the most important piece of gear that you can have is... Um, a great sleeping pad um, that that will allow you to get comfortable no matter where you're at, right? If, if you're sleeping on rocks or like reeds, um, a lot of times we're staying on like these, these farms that are cut into the side of the mountain, all these little like 10 foot plateaus that they cut. Terrace farming. Yeah, there's terraces, yes. <clears throat> and when you go in the fall, they've had their harvest. And so what's left is these like three inch long, really hard, like wheat stalks. Yeah. And, and you have to like press them down and like lay your tent down. But if you, if you can press that down with like a tent footprint, pitch your tent, get a, a nice sleeping pad and then a sleeping bag. And depending on what time of the year, you know, you might sleep on your bag or uh, a lot of people will have a, a down blanket instead of a bag that just kind of goes over them instead of getting into it. But, and I, I have, I'm a little bit extra. I'll, I'll buy, I've got the, the sleeping bag liner, which is a real soft, you know, sh it's like a sheet, you know, and I've got a cool season one and a cold season one, one that keeps you cool when it's warm and one that keeps you warm when it's cold. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a little, it's like a luxury. It's, you don't need it, but for me, it helps me feel just that much more comfy on a good on a good sleeping pad and that just helps me sleep through the night without Tylenol PM, you know, without having a little extra because you don't need Tylenol PM when you've, when you've done Himalayan trekking for eight hours yeah. that day. <laughs> your your body opinion. is, is exhausted and it exactly. will fall asleep. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's interesting that you say, <clears throat> I would totally agree. Yeah. You know, the sleep, sleep and calorie intake, super important. Uh, to get you up the mountain, to get you where you're going, and then have the energy and joy or, and kind of, you know, kind of get yourself ready to talk, right? And to yes. share the gospel, which is what you're there to do, mm -hmm. right? So so preparing well uh, beforehand and and, uh, and then while you're there, setting yourself up for success uh, to do that well. I, I will admit, and this is one of the stories that I get to share of like the times when I didn't prepare <laughs> yeah, well right. or, or didn't uh, choose 
um, to, to take my sleep into account because, you know, when you're hiking at that level and you're hiking for that long, you know, every ounce counts. Oh right? yeah, definitely. So every, yeah. You've got your water. I, I carry a three liter bladder, yeah. which uh, a three liter bladder and then a, like a, like a 20 ounce bottle with a UV filter on it is yeah. usually my water and I'm good for the whole day. I won't have to stop and refill or anything, but a lot of people will do something smaller, like a one and a half liter, mm -hmm. because most villages have at least one tap and you can, you can fill up and, and kind of filter that out. I just don't want to take the time to put down my pack and get right. my bladder out and filter everything. Cause you can only filter, you know, 20 ounces at a time or, yep. or however big your, your filter is. And that could take a while. So, so taking into account your, your, how much water you're carrying, <clears throat> how much, you know, how many clothes, what, blah, blah, blah. When I got to the base camp before we embarked for our adventure, yep. I started looking at my pack and, and I had a, I had a sleeping pad uh -huh. and stuff and, and I never used a sleeping pad before. And so <clears throat> in my consideration, I was like, you know, like that's just more ounces. I don't <laughs> So I left my sleeping pad at oh, this base camp that we we're going to come back to after we got off the mountain. And I said, oh, I'll be fine. I did not sleep. I literally felt like I did not oh, sleep for, for the entire time because I was cold. Oh. And I couldn't, like, I was uncomfortable. Right. You get a nice insulated sleeping pad and yeah. it keeps that cold from coming up under you. Mm -hmm. That's right. right. In the spring. Um, going, going in the spring, it's usually a lot colder than going in the fall. It's, it's that summer air is still kind of lingering a little bit. It's like, you know, fifties at night, which is like perfect. But when you go in the spring, y'all were in like March, weren't you? Yeah. Um, it got down a lot, a lot colder, like mid forties, mm -hmm. low forties, may, maybe well, a couple of colder nights. With the elevation but, and some yeah. places we were at, it was real cold. And, and, and wet too. And that was the other on, thing. Yeah. And, um. Uh, yeah, so I remember when we, we reached the, 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 the point at which we were going to make camp, the, the, the village that we were going to make camp, yep. they kicked us out because, uh, or like they kicked the donkey guys out. That's right. They, they saw y'all coming and were like, no, 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 yeah. we're not allowing this. We're not allowing this. Our, our God is a horse and they'll be uh, offended that you have donkeys. <laughs> and so. So they got kicked out. Well, there's, we had no way to communicate with them. And so yeah. we didn't know where they were. To clarify. Yeah. So there's an advanced kitchen team, yep. right, on these trips. So we are going to every village to share. And, but there's a, there's like a, a kitchen team that carries all the rice and all the pots and pans and, and the kind of camp set up on the backs of donkeys. And they go from camp to camp, right, to kind of set up and get everything ready and start cooking everything for the day and for the night. And so what you're saying is that camp team got to the where y'all were supposed to camp. Mm -hmm. Y'all were out sharing. They got there and they were told you can't stay here yeah. like because of these. Yeah, because of this, our village God is a mm -hmm. horse and, and they're all going to be offensive. Yeah. But the, but y'all got to that village and the camp team wasn't there yeah. and you had no idea. We had no idea. And and we've been hiking all day. And so and then and so they were like, OK, well, we we're going to hike up this mountain. Yeah, and to clarify too my, my wife was on this trip yes. and so i heard everything this is crazy yeah but y'all had already had a crazy long hard first day yes and you had finally gotten to where you're supposed to stop and that feeling mm -hmm. that feeling of having a long day and it's all you can do to just put one foot in front of the other and then you finally get to where everyone is stopping the relief is so huge and palpable and then to have that 
yeah. immediately taken away and go, actually, put your packs back on. We have to leave. And we don't know how much farther we have to go. Right. So, like, so emotions, like, I, I remember being very emotional. I was just like, oh, my gosh. I, like, the unknown and, yes. and not having a, a set point of, like, okay, we need two more hours. Like, if somebody would have said, you just had two more hours, okay, you know, pick, pick yourself up and, and we can do I, yeah. this. You, you can do anything if you know how long it's going to last. Yeah. This was, this was unknown. Hey, we're going to, we're going to go see if they're on this other point. Oh. Uh, and we're like, oh, okay. And then it started raining Yeah. halfway and then it got dark and, and, you know, everyone started carrying two packs and trying mm. to help people out. Yeah. And it was, it was wet, it was slippery. And so, so hours go by and we finally find the camp and they're like, Hey, it's, it's on the top of this this point, and uh, I mean, I just remember being in a daze, walking and just emotional. And you're like, I just want to be back in my tent. And then when you get to the tent, you're just cold, yeah, because I didn't have a sleeping bag, <laughs> and just like miserable, and just like hurt. And you're just like, oh my gosh. And so, I remember on day five, the last day we we're going to be on the mountain. <clears throat> one of my Brothers one and guys. Yep. Yeah, one of your translators. One of my translators, yeah. uh, <clears throat> Bobby, he, he said, he, he was like, Joel, do you, do you not have a sleeping pad? And I'm like, <laughs> he's like, I've been sleeping on three this whole time. <laughs> you should just take oh, I'm like, what? <laughs> it was, it was literally the epitome of, uh, you know, dumb, dumb, and dumber. Uh, where it's like, I've been, I've got two gloves. Oh, here, I've got two yeah. pairs. Yeah. You've had three sleeping pads this whole, this time. whole time. Yeah, Joel. It's the Himalayas. <laughs> oh, that hurts. Oh, that's so great. Because it was just it was just this moment and, and I and I had the best sleep of my <laughs> sleeping on that phone pad. That's right. And it was just so so totally like just please. So if you hear nothing else, take a sleeping pad. Yes. So if you're if you're listening and you're thinking, okay, got it, sleeping pad, what what do I need to get? I'll say try some out. That's your best bet, right? Because everyone's got a, like a different body shape and a different kind of pad. Sleeping pad is what you need. I've got a I, I've just got a disproportionately sized booty. It just it sticks out. And so when I lay flat on my back, if I'm on something flat, like it it hurts my back because my booty is sticking my whole like arching my whole back and so i need a really like good pad that makes that makes me feel like i'm floating and so for one that's why i need an inflatable uh, sleeping pad as opposed to kind of the static uh, pads you get the the kind that are super light and they fold up Mm -hmm. Um, nemo makes those uh, cedar summit makes those i think Um, yeah yeah we sell nemo yeah so um those i also want to say real quick the fact yeah. that you said a disproportionately sized booty, like it's I feel true. like the term booty is all is already suggests that it's disproportionate. <laughs> so to add disproportion on top of it, I've never met you, and I'm just like, wow, man, for him to say that, like, when I was when I was a younger man, it was definitely disproportionate because you know I was I had a very slim, like thin upper body, and then this this like lower body like trunk now it's it's a little bit more even because my booty sticks out in behind and my belly sticks out in front so there you go evens everything out you know thank you and the best part you found someone who like who who dug it and married you so that's right yeah uh 
Sorry for that. that, that yeah, hey, high five to the White family. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, um, we were so, – so I – I know what y'all mean by that, but, like, people that are just going to come to this podcast, high five to the White family. <laughs> and climate, really? Come on, guys. That's right. Yeah. To the, that's right. To the, I, I didn't say white people, at least. I said white family. Yeah, yeah I guess it's the, the family, and that's good. Yeah, yeah the, <laughs> the actual pad that I ended up getting, my first trip, I got the I got uh, the Sea to Summit, top of the line, extra long, like double insulated, eggshell inflatable sleeping pad. I should pull it up so I know what it's called. It was, It was the most expensive thing that I bought. And it ended up being too heavy, and so I got the and so I, I ended up returning it and getting the the next one down, which which has basically you know it ha- it's it's like an inflatable eggshell or, or egg crate I should say yeah. you know the soft like foam egg crates yeah. yeah like that but inflammable and I laid down on this and it and it really is like floating. But and, but it's not like one of those super like full size bed inflatables where it's like bouncy like you're laying on, you know, a trampoline. It's just you lay down and it's it's so chill and calm, and comfortable and it's it's nice and light. It, it, it is one of the heavier things in my pack, but it's a it's at least a lighter version of my very first trip, and and I I can easily get eight or nine hours of mostly uninterrupted sleep because of that nice sleeping pad. And it's lasted me six trips so far. Wow. Um, it's starting to it's starting to show a little wear and tear, but you know, you take care of it. You don't you don't actually lay out side with it. You keep it in the tent, keep it where there's there's not a whole lot of chance of it being punctured. Um, and you can and you can make it last for a while. So So here's a question with that. <clears throat> Would you suggest people again, whether it's for this trip or any kind of trip like that where they're needing a, uh, a sleeping pad that it would be kind of essentially maybe one of the, 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 the first purchases so they could adapt, I guess, get, kind of get used to sleeping on a sleeping pad? Absolutely. So that, that's a great question. So I'm, I'm getting prepared to lead a trip in October, right? And Lord willing, like we've been, we've been praying hard that we can mm-hmm. buy tickets, but there's a young lady on my trip who is never done any camping, never done any hiking. This is her first ever experience like this. She's really excited, but she's just chock-a-block full of questions like that. Like, what's the first thing I need to get? And I will always say that the very first thing you need to get is the right shoes. Mm-hmm. The right shoes. That's got to be your first purchase because you got to get in the right shoes, make sure they're right for you, you know, work them in. If you're going to do the, in, yeah. if you're gonna go the boot route, that definitely you need to put some miles in. We can talk about shoes in a second, but I would definitely say the sleeping pad is the number two thing that you should buy. You gotta, you gotta try it out. You gotta take it, take it for a trial run, and definitely spend a full night sleep on one. And if you can pitch your tent out in the backyard and practice sleeping outside on the sleeping pad, that's the that's the only way you know that it's gonna really work for you is to take it on a trial run. Absolutely, yeah. So, so to answer your question, Jamaica, number two number two purchase needs to be a sleeping pad. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it was kind of a loaded question because I yep. kind of knew the answer and that's something we suggest. And in, in the same route as well, get your, I guess, well, number one or two can be interchangeable, but like you're yep. going to be like, you know, for the majority of any kind of trip, whether it's mission trip or not, you're going to be on your feet or on yep. your back. That's right. So like those need to be your first primary purchases. That's and again, exactly. breaking them in 
even if something says, even if a shoe company says like, oh, you know, our shoes are breaking ready. Well, then that that's great, but still. <laughs> sure, sure. Right. Like ready. they might not be the breaking ready, climbing the Himalayas, you know, like that, that sort of thing. And so I would totally agree. And, and that's, that's, and it's really, it's funny to, 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 to hear some of the stories. And I think sometimes horror stories of people are just like, well, I just, I didn't really give it much thought. And, and, and we hear that so many times and surprisingly, not just from people that are maybe kind of going on these trips, but also some of the people leading these trips of like, yeah, I didn't really give it much thought to like what I was going to wear or like what I was going to pack or even like how I was going to pack in the sense of like, yeah. you know, kind like of weight distribution. Stuff goes in my yeah, exactly. Yeah, how I carry so, it. So I, again, one of the reasons why I think, and, and when Joel and I were, were talking, like this is going to be invaluable information for yes, those people that are going on mission shows, but I think just people that are that are going camping, even we could even say traveling. That you know these things need to be thought of, and to have more of a a well thought of plan just yeah. to just to be more prepared is vital. So. I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's like uh, Joel and I were saying earlier, you know, it's a whole lot better to make a mistake um, here as you're preparing than right. it is to make a mistake on the mountain where oh, your alternative okay. is, well, I guess I could call a helicopter and yeah. undo it. Like that's your, that's your only other option. So, and those helis uh, are hella expensive. Yeah, oh, yes. no kidding. Yep. Thankfully, yeah. thankfully, Lord, let it continue to be so. I've never actually had to call an emergency helicopter to come yeah. and get anybody. Amen. We have, Amen. Had, we have had some interesting ones. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna double head. down. I'm gonna double down on this. Okay, the the closest we ever had to having someone need to be airlift. Thankfully, he didn't. But we had my very first trip. We had a guy who got so sick that all he could do was go from camp to camp. He couldn't do any of the extra hiking to get to the villages. Um, and, and he had, he like, he had the donkeys carry his pack cause he just literally couldn't do anything more than just walk to the next camp. But, but this is going to bring me to what could be, I guess, a final point, which is one of the other most important things to get a good night's sleep is prayer. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely believe that, that this, this guy was spiritually attacked. And that's why he got so sick. He had, long story short, I really think it was a spiritual attack that was getting him so sick. He was he was unprepared for how spiritually dark this part of the world can be. And I think he just got hit. And a lot of, and a lot of those spiritual things became physical things. And it just, it, it nauseated him. And then that made him weak. And, and then it's kind of a cycle of not, not getting enough salt back into his system, not being able to to recover because he still had to like get from camp to camp every day. He had to push himself every day and it just kept him sick. And so making sure that you're spiritually ready and then continuously like praying for, for the Lord to protect you and, and, and help you to get good rest. And even while you're sleeping, when you're at your most vulnerable, I think is, is super important too. So it's as if spiritual things have an effect on the physical world. Yeah. Who knows? Beautiful. Crazy, crazy, crazy. The two aren't separate. Yeah, imagine. Imagine that. Scripture is uh, speaking some truth there. (laughs) Man, I, 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 I think one, like we can, we can talk for hours and stuff. Uh, We, we do talk for hours. 
Yep. Uh, yep, we do. You, you may mention you're long-winded. You've entered the right family uh, <laughs> a long time ago because we are a long-winded family. It's, it's funny. I, I talk a lot, and I'm, I think I'm the quiet one of the family. <laughs> That's um, true. And, uh, uh, it's and, true. And people would be shocked to hear that. Um, but no, I, uh, I, I love... Uh, I love the the points that you made in that you know the, the number one thing is is setting the right expectations, preparing more spiritually, and when when thinking about this podcast and thinking about how do we outfit the saints well, um, I started writing down all these topics of like okay you know what could we talk about for you know an hour or so, and one of the topics I have is you know is we need to talk about the gear that we take is not just physical and Mm -hmm. how we prepare and and what we, what we do uh, in in, in that, in those moments before and then in the moments of being present in there, uh, it it matters, the spiritual um, preparation, the spiritual readiness. Yes. And, and and it's so vital, but 100% agree setting the right expectations and where do you find success? Uh, and for me, I always fall back on what Paul says of, you know, if I can just be faithful, mm. if I can be faithful and testifying uh, of God's graces, which is Jesus Christ, then I can do all things. I can be all things. And, and, um, That's right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I think that scripture is so full of encouraging verses for us that that we just constantly have to remember when you're out on the trail, only able to put one foot in front of another. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful one. One of my favorites is First Peter chapter one, and I'll 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 give it to you all at once. Even he he's talking about, you know, hey, you know what? You need to praise God because He's saved you. He's saved an inheritance for you, and then he says, in this you greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, may be proven genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. Though you do not see him now, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. Yeah. So that inexpressible joy that I have because of the salvation I have motivates me to keep putting one foot in front of the other to bring that same faith, hope, love, gospel, right, to these people who do not yet have that salvation of their souls. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. And, and I think even just to add on that, like that that joy is is, is what continues to drive you even when you know, you might get shut down, even when you know, people might not agree, even when, you know, you might be, you know, persecuted, made fun of. I think it really, I think more than that, even just even when you suffer, yeah, it's what continues that, that joy of your salvation continues um, to, you know, again, it, it, it propels you to take the next step and then that next step. Absolutely. Suffering is a, suffering is a, it's a lot of times misunderstood because, you know, here, here in the U.S., we're like, look, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, right? right? That's, I deserve to be happy and comfortable. 
but scripture says, well, actually, if, if you suffer, you, you're sharing in the sufferings of Christ, mm-hmm. right? And that's a, that's a beautiful, glorious thing. Remember the, the apostles in Acts, they, they were brought before the Sanhedrin and beaten, and they went away rejoicing because they got to participate in the sufferings of Christ because they knew, right? This is, you, what, what can you do, right? What did Paul say? You know, to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. You can't possibly hurt me, and suffering is only going to increase my joy because it brings me closer to Christ. So, hey, an excerpt, I'm a huge fan of, of hip hop, and a, an excerpt from one of the, there's a song, it's called Ram's Horn by Jay Silas, and it was this, uh, kind of like like this cypher uh, type of song, and I can't remember if it was like Timothy Brindle or somebody, but the part of the song uh, goes, what's to deal with cotton candy Christians who demand blessings but can't stand affliction compared to other things they barely love the king, want to be like Christ but not share in sufferings. Mm. Um, and that's something that just, I, 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 I constantly think of to like, okay, you know, again, to, to, to live as Christ and die as gain. Like I want to, or at least I claim to um, want to and strive to be like Christ. Yeah. What does that really mean? And you can't do that apart from suffering because he suffered and he suffered well, you know, I, it's, it's almost, an, I don't, I, I'm not even necessarily called to suffer well because I think just cause my limitations you know, as a person, but like to, to, but again, sufferings are a, a promise. It's, you know, it's, I think that's part of the inheritance is that, that, that we would suffer. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's not easy to like say, all right, God, yeah, I'm ready to suffer. Bring it on. <laughs> but you know, what you, you know, what you can do to kind of bring yourself to that point, go on a short term trip, Yep. like go mm-hmm. on an extreme trip and put yourself in a place where you're like, I am, I'm about to do something that is super uncomfortable and I'm probably going to be in pain. And, and when that happens, I, God, give me the, give me the grace to take it as a joy to suffer for you. Yeah. Amen. So I guess the point is, yeah, go on a trip. Let's go. So Josh, if people do want to go on a trip, how would they, how would they get connected with, with you and East West and uh, do that? Well, okay. So first is I, I love East West. Like I said, I, I love the, the model that we've set up. All of our trips are about supporting the national partners and the church planting movements that they are constantly managing, instigating, trying to maintain. And so if you want to go on an East West trip, which I love East West, I would say go to eastwest.org slash go, and you'll learn all about the different kinds of trips that you can be mobilized to go on. If you want to go on an extreme trip, those are in the list of trips that you can go on. Some of them are open, some of them are closed, but definitely you can holler at me and I'll make sure you get on an extreme trip because we do have a lot of extreme trips going. I think it's, you know, outside of a pandemic season, we've got half a dozen to a dozen extreme trips going every year in the fall and spring and hopefully more and more every year. So, so we'll put a link uh, uh, to to the website on East West and in, in that slash go uh, <clears throat> underneath this podcast, and and then we also want to we want to be advocates and uh, allow people to join you in partnership or learn more about the Balthrop ministry and their family. Yeah, I know for a fact they'd love to talk to you more, just more of their heart and, and what they're doing with the churches and in their community. Josh's uh, email. It's uh, it's just jbalthrop at eastwest.org. J-B-A-L-T-H-R-O-P at eastwest.org. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, East West, all, all of East West missionaries are, are, are undisclosed on the website because, um, you know, we, we go to restricted access, spiritually darkest places, and you got to be careful about security. Right. We should have another, another whole episode about security. Cause yeah. that's a, that's a really fun talk, talk oh, security, for sure. That'd be awesome. ready to be secure and have a short truthful statement, all that stuff. But anyway, my, but wait, so would that episode just be like nobody talking because we're so secure? <laughs> yeah, let's say let's say right. We're we are risk aware, not risk averse, right? Okay. So right. that means that we're we'll we'll take the risk, but we'll also calculate them. But all I have to say, yeah, my giving page on on the internet is not going to have my name or my picture or anything like that. But it does have a number, and that number is nine four six three. So if you go to eastwest.org/slash UDM, as in undisclosed missionary, UDM-9463, that's my page, and that's my number. So you can put that in or leave it out. I don't care. You guys, you guys are cool. The main thing I'd love to do is just get to know your listeners and talk to them about how the Lord's leading them, because this is an awesome podcast. It's an awesome idea. I, I'm, I'm seriously so thrilled that you guys are doing this, Jamaica especially, that Slim Pickens exists, because... You know, we, we love REI, but REI doesn't necessarily love Jesus. And so to have, to have a, an organization, an outfitter that is committed to equipping the saints is super cool. So we're going to definitely oh, talk about that. Yeah, I was going to say, well, we, we unabashedly do. So in fact, yeah. he's, we definitely just, he is the reason why we started and I'm definitely the reason why we continue to be open and, and you know, amidst all of this that we're fighting to to keep this open because we really just don't, we don't believe that he's done with this place yet. So we've been recipients of uh, what he's been able to, to do. And, and, and that is abundantly more than we can think or imagine. And so we dare not stay silent about that. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, <clears throat> Josh, I love you, man, for you. I'm glad that you've inspired me to grow my own beard in my life. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's coming along, you know. <laughs> Yeah. But you've also been a great inspiration uh, to me, uh, just doing uh, our father, you know, and, and drawing closer to him, uh, and to be um, just a man after his own heart, right? And, uh, and so I'm very thankful for that. Well, it's always a joy to be with you, Joel. Jamaica, it's good to meet you, brother. Josh, for sure. Likewise, I look forward to, to fellowshipping in person one of these days. Yeah. Me too. Yes. So as always, we encourage you to, to act justly, love kindly, serve humbly, and adventure out. Always remember that the adventure is in the obedience. <laughs>